0: Well, thank you for having me up here today. Uh, Youth Sunday is always an exciting Sunday, you know? you know. How often you get to come in the doors and people are yelling and screaming and stuff like that? And honestly, we get a lot of feedback on these, uh, on these Sundays that people like having all the kids, like, yelling, screaming, kicking, you know. So I talked to Pastor Austin, and we're going to have this every Sunday. <laughs> wow. Oh. So some of you got really excited for that. Others you, I saw you pull out your phones to see where you can go to church on Sunday mornings besides us, sir. So I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But in all seriousness, thank you for having us and letting us take over for one Sunday. We love it, and we love being a part of Redemption Chapel. Um, Before we get into anything, I want to introduce myself. So my name is Alex Holtz. I'm the Youth Ministry Assistant slash Young Adults Director here at Redemption Chapel. Um, And today I'm obviously filling one of those roles, but I see many of my young adults out there, so hello to all of you. Um, Yeah, there you go, yeah. Um, But I also want to introduce my family. So up on the screen you'll see a picture of me and my wife, that is Sydney. Uh, Sydney and I have been married for a little over two years. Uh, We met down at Cedarville University and we have been married for almost as long as we have been part of the Redemption Chapel family, which is really exciting. I love it. So. And I want to make sure to show a picture of our daughter, too. So you can go ahead and put that picture up. Uh, that, is, uh, that is Marge. That is our hedgehog. So uh, Marge is awesome. She has been. And I asked Sydney, I was like, I need a picture of Marge to put up on the screen. She's like, how about a Christmas picture that we took last year? And so this was our Christmas card. You know, it's beautiful. Um, but if you have qu- hedgehog questions, I will deflect all those to Sydney so you can talk to Sydney about that. Um, but now I want to kind of get into some of the serious stuff, some of the real stuff. But before we do that, I want to make sure that the wisdom that is coming out is not from me, but it's from God. So I'm going to pray for us real quick and then we'll get going. Dear Lord, I thank you for everybody in this room. And Lord, I thank you for the opportunity that I get up to come up here um, to look at your word with the rest of Redemption Chapel, and Lord, help me to not speak my own words, to, but to speak from you, and that when I speak, that I give life, and that I give encouragement, and that we always point back to you and your son and his work on the cross. In your name I pray, amen. All right, so today we are continuing our series in 1 Corinthians, which we started last week, and like Pastor Rick helped us to see... 1 Corinthians, the church of Corinth, is quite literally a dumpster fire, all right? Like, it is falling apart. It is tearing at the seams. Like, they are kind of like, I'm not sure what's going on, but this does not look, look like the church that was promised, okay? And so, Paul is writing this letter to be able to remind the church of what it looks like to be the church, And he wants to make sure to correct any mistakes or anything that is happening that is not considered what the church should be doing. And the thing is, Paul doesn't want to see this church fail. He cares about the church. He wants to see them succeed. So that is why he's writing this letter. He wants to help correct. He wants to help build up the church. And today's passage is actually like the calm before the storm. It's like when you're sitting outside and you're looking out in your backyard and it's bright and sunny and like you're, you have your iced tea in your hand and you look slightly to your left and you kind of see this storm brewing with like a lot of storm clouds. You know what I'm talking about? It's Ohio. We get this a lot. okay? And, it's, and you know it's there, but you don't want to look at it yet. And so today we're going to focus on the sunshine. All right? We're going to focus on the good stuff. And what I mean by that is Paul is going to point out some of the good things that the church is doing. He's going to point out some of the things that the church has that are good. And the thing is, a lot of the things that are good come from God and not from the humans. I feel like that tracks, though. I mean, if you know what I'm saying, that's pretty typical of the Bible, that most of the good things that the church has come from God. But what we're really looking at today is a compliment sandwich, a compliment sandwich. So if you don't know what that is, up on the screen there, look at that beautiful burger. Some of you guys are already thinking about lunch, so I hope this helps. Uh... But on the top there, you got the top bun, right? The good stuff. Like, let's compliment. Let's, like, tell them what they're doing well. And then you got everything in the middle that is constructive criticism. Paul can be a little bit more brutal than constructive sometimes. But it's all for the good. It's for good stuff. And then there's the bottom bun, which is just, like, let's encourage them a little bit more. Let's, let's, let's push them a little more. And so today we are at the top bun. We are looking at the top bun here. And we are going to focus on some of the good stuff before we kind of get into the many chapters that Paul is going to dig into the church and help them to correct. But what this is, it's not so much a compliment sandwich as it is a blessing sandwich. It's at the top here, we're looking at the blessings that the church has received, things that God has given the church to help build up the body, to make it better, to push it, and to ultimately give glory to God. And what they are are gifts. They're things that God has given at no additional price. He has given to the church so that the church will be made better. And he doesn't want to leave his church behind, so he wants the church to have these gifts. And so we're going to look at some of the gifts that this passage talks about. And these gifts are going to be things that are going to be talked about and kind of pointed towards throughout the rest of the book. Before we get into it, let's take a look at the passage that we were going to be reading it is 1 Corinthians 1, verses 4 through 9. You can follow along on the screens with me. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. Then every way you were enriched in him, in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. See? All good stuff, right? It's good stuff. And we're going to start, and we're going to kind of break down this passage, and we're going to look at a few different aspects of the passage and kind of see how the church of Corinth is being built up. So, looking at the first part up on the screens for you, it'll be verses 4 through 5. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. Then every way you're enriched in him, in all speech and all knowledge. So that's the first part that we're looking at. And the first gift that we want to look at here is the gift of grace, the gift of grace. And what we're ta- when I say the gift of grace, what I mean by that is particularly the grace that we have received through the gospel. the gospel being Christ's sacrifice for man, so that we could be with him for eternity. And the church has been gifted grace. And with all the things that the church needs to be corrected on, they need a lot of it. And here's the thing, we do too. So that makes this immediately applicable to us. And so we got to see that when we see the gospel, we have to remember its importance. And Paul is pointing to the importance. He's helping us to see that we cannot forget the gospel. God has changed our hearts. He has given us life. But if we forget the gospel, all of a sudden, we can just start to slip back into our normal ways. We're all sinners. We all sin. And so we need the gospel. And the thing is, we need to be reminded of the gospel because if we don't, then all of a sudden, we will start to see some of those sinful tendencies come out. But when we're reminded of it. We're reminded of why we do it. How God has changed our heart. The life that he's given us. And so we can't forget it. But I think something that we often forget in times of trial, in times like the Church of Corinth was in, when things are struggling, when things are not going the way that they necessarily are supposed to be, we forget the simplicity of the gospel. The simplicity of it. It's like, it's like math. It's like math. How many of you in here know how to do you know, addition, subtraction, division, multi- multiplication? Only a few. Okay, good. Okay, more than I thought. Whew, I got nervous. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, this illustration wasn't going to work. So, Well, I could do most of that. I could do pretty, pretty well. I went to Bible school, so I'm not great at it. But, you know, I could do math. But inevitably, when I go to El Camp after church, and I go sit down, and I order my food, and I eat, and enjoy the meal, and then the waitress puts the receipt down in front of me. You better believe all math that I know just went out the window because I have no idea what to give her for a tip. All right, like that piece of paper's on there, and all of a sudden that simple math out the window—it's gone. Okay, and like I'm looking at—I'm like, what's a percentage? I don't know what a percentage is. How many? Where do I move the decimal? You know? And yeah, I'm kind of, and i just forget it. It's just so easy. In that time of stress, I'm looking at—I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? When we, when we think about the church and when we think about the gospel, when we're faced with difficult times, all of a sudden, the gospel goes out the window. And we want to try to figure out, what should we do? What do I think is the best thing to do? And that's not the right response. That is not the response that we need. But not only is the gift of grace talked about here, but also the gift of speech. The gift of speech. And so the gift of speech, there, that is something that is going to be, we're going to talk a little bit about that, and we're going to tackle that later in the book, and I'm definitely going to leave some of those passages to Pastor Rick and Pastor Jared. So. But we want to talk about it here because the passage is talking about it. And so quite simply, when we see speech, what we should be looking for is how the church is communicating the gospel, that they have been given an opportunity to tell others about Christ and what he's done. Yet there is a reason that Paul brings this up. is because they're not necessarily addressing it in the best way. But in this passage as well, the word that's used here to talk about the, the way this gifting is, is enriched, enriched. And with this word, the root word of this is also used when talking about wealthy people, when talking about people that have a lot of money. And so when we think through that, when we think about that, What Paul is saying is that the church is not poor in this gift. It's not like they don't have it. They have the gift of speech. But it has to be addressed because if we don't use the gift of speech properly, then all of a sudden we're using it the way that we think we should, not the way God thinks that we should. And the thing is, this is immediately applicable to us. This is, this is something that we can do too. Because we have been called to tell us about the gospel. We have been called to be able to preach it effectively. But if we, if we don't do it the way God has called us to, or if we try to figure it out the way that we can, all of a sudden it just goes out the window. When we think about voting season, there's often a not a lot of grace and there's not a lot of truth that's given when we're talking to the person of another political side. Or when we're talking to somebody about sexuality, a lot of times what, the, what we want to do is tell them everything that we believe, and here's what we believe, and this is the way that you should believe, instead of remembering the grace that we first received and communicating that love to that person as well. We have to love these people well. And we have to love uh, the people around us well. But if we try to take matters into our own hands without remembering the gospel, we're going to lose that. The church of Corinth needed this addressed. And we're going to hear more about that. But we can celebrate that God has given that to us. But those aren't the only gifts that are talked about either. See, the passage continues. Take a look up at the screens at this next part of the passage here. Even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing... Of our Lord Jesus Christ, so Paul is a little bit on the nose here. What he's talking about, it's he's trying to address the gifts that they have been given, and the church has not been neglected by God. They have been given things, they've been given abilities, or they've been given opportunities to build up the church. And so, like the the way that phrase is God's gift. This is God's gift of tech team. Help me out. What, what, What God's gift of? Okay, gifts. Yeah, that works. Thank you. Thank you, guys. I appreciate that. It's God's gift of gifts. That God has given the church opportunities, that he's given the church abilities. He's given the church just skill to be able to build up the body. And there's so many parts of the body that, that, that can build up. And there's so many different aspects about it. And the specific gifts, some of these specific gifts that the Church of Corinth is struggling with, again, will be addressed later. But what we're talking about now is celebrating the fact that God has given the church skills and abilities to build it up. And Paul is thankful for these gifts. But oftentimes, it's easy to neglect appreciating them. Like, I think about how gifts have changed since I have gotten older, since I've, since I've grown up. I'm 25 now, and uh, when I was younger, I would get a lot of cool gifts. You know, get Xbox games or, like, stuff for sports or, like, one time my parents got me a TV, and I was like, dang, this is awesome. Like, what, if this is what I'm getting when I'm in, when I'm in high school, like, what am I going to get when I'm an adult, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so now when, my, when uh, my mom inevitably asked me, what do you want for uh, Christmas? I go, money for rent. <laughs> you know? Or like uh, socks, because you learn really quickly in adulthood that you lo- always lose the one sock, and you never know where it goes. Or I have always said, and some of you guys in this room are going to be mad at me, but I still, to an extent, stand by this. I never wanted to be the person to get excited when I opened up a power tool alright, I never, I, when I was in high school, I'm like, I don't want power tools, I never want somebody to give me a power tool for Christmas, and I specifically said it to my dad, and then two years ago, two years ago, I had to ask my dad for an electric drill, <laughs> and that was so frustrating, but now, I can actually hang up the pictures that Sydney has been asking me to hang up for three months, so, these, the gifts, they do get less exciting, they feel less exciting but they are important. The gifts that we are given are important, and that is no different for the church of this uh, in Corinth. And see what Paul is saying is that the confirmation of our faith is the utilization of the gifts that were given to us, using them well for the glory of God. And here's the thing, we are gifted here at Redemption Chapel and we, can, uh, we often think about the people that are up here leading or teaching or people that are hosting. But we are also gifted in people on our first impressions team that stand out at the door and smile in, when it's six degrees outside and they're waving at you when you're coming in. And they might remember your name. Or if they don't remember your name, they at least remember your face. And they say, hey, how was your week? It's good to see you again. That's a gifting. That's a skill that God has built, with, built up in someone. Or there are people that come in during the week that will come in to help out to get ready for Sunday. And some of you don't know this, but there are people that will come in every week and help out Kids Zone prep so that Peter and Mary are ready for the following Sunday. God has gifted people in these skills. He's gifted people in these ways. And we should mimic Paul in not neglecting or just taking them for granted, but giving God glory, celebrating these things, Point to how he is awesome because he has given someone the desire to stand at the door every Sunday. And see, though the church of Corinth is slipping up, it doesn't mean that Paul needs to skip over all this and just rip into them. But he can celebrate what God has given them. And we should do that too. It's worth recognizing the way that God has gifted the church. But the passage isn't over. The passage isn't over. And it ends with a large amount of hope. Remember, this is God's church, just like Pastor Rick told us last week. So take a look at the end here. As you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is a reminder of promise. This is a reminder of the fact that God doesn't leave his people. See, way back before the New Testament in the Old Testament, God made promises through covenants. And though the covenants may may be changed or there might be different things that God is looking for, he will always promise to be faithful to his people. He never promised to leave his people. And then he gave us a covenant through Christ and said, I'm never going to leave you. And guess what? Christ is coming back. He will be back for us. And that is worth celebrating. It's worth remembering. But God isn't a God of abandonment. He doesn't leave when things get difficult, but he is there for us. He is there for us. God's faithfulness is a promise of constancy in our lives. This is something that was promised even in the Psalms. Take a look up at Psalm 55. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous To be moved. God's people will be held closely. It's God's promise of consistency and perseverance. And see, with the compliment sandwich, it's tempting to focus on the middle. That Paul is just going to go and say, This is all the bad stuff you've done, and here's all the ways to be corrected, and this is what you need to do right. And even when we read these things, it's so easy to skip over these first nine verses. But take them to heart. Remember that it is worth giving God thanks because this is not the people's church. This is God's church. God is with His church and He will not leave them in their pro- with, without fulfilling His promise of life. See, theologically speaking, faithfulness is what we would call one of God's communicable attributes. What that means is that we can see it and, and we can understand it, and even to an extent, we can do it, we can be faithful. But here's something that we can never understand, is that God is infinitely faithful. God is always faithful to his people. I was recently talking to a student, a student that doesn't go here. It's somebody that I know from back in the day, as much as back in the day can be for a 25-year-old. Um, <laughs> but I was talking to him, uh, and I, I hadn't talked to him in years, but I, he gave me a call because recently his dad died. And it was hard because they were close. And as I was talking to him, I started to grow and understand that he wasn't a believer, he wasn't a Christian, and there was a lot of hopelessness what he was saying. that we started to talk about what is life going to be like now that his dad's gone, What's it going to be like when He needs, when he needs money or when his mom, what's his mom going to do now? And he's talking about all these different things and how he just has to get by day by day and he doesn't really know what that looks like and he's nervous and he's scared. And it gave me this awesome opportunity to tell him about God's faithfulness. That you might, he might feel so alone, but there's a God that will never leave you alone. That God is faithful to his people. We got to talk about a little bit about the gospel, and I'm excited to have this more of a conversation with him because he needs it. He needs that hope. He needs to see that he is not left alone. And see, this is a large church that Paul is writing to. And it can seem hopeless, especially when there's so many more chapters of things that Paul needs to correct. But what it means is that though there's division in the church of Corinth, God is not divided. That though there's people that may abandon us, God does not. And that though people may fail, God will not. We can understand how God is faithful. We cannot understand that. How we can be faithful to a church that slips up so much, yet he is. And so when we read this passage there are two different ways that we could, could respond. There's two different possibilities here. And in, in times of like where the Corinthian church was in, when they face division, when there is t- conversation about sexuality and what that, what that is, or there is even like political strife and division, often the temptation is that we have to take matters into our own hands, that we have to figure it out, that we are skilled enough to figure out what to do. And that's what the Corinthian church is doing. And the funny thing is, as I list off those things that they're facing, a lot of those conversations are still happening today. It's still just as applicable to us today. And we, we have to realize that the church, sure, it is a dumpster fire. But this isn't the only option. Because our other option is to give God praise, give him thanks for everything he has done. To thank him first for everything that he has done. Because that's what Paul is doing. And there's three ways that we are going to give thanks. There's three ways to respond to this. In that one, we should rejoice in the simplicity of the gospel. Two, we should celebrate the gifts that God has given us. And three, find peace in the faithfulness of God. Give thanks to these, these things to God so that we can pursue to be a better church. Here at Redemption Chapel, this is not just reading material. This is wa- these are ways that we can change, that we can be better. We can come together in moments of division and strife, whatever the problem may be. You may f- be so angry at somebody from on this side of the room, or you might be thinking, like, the person sitting next to me, they don't know it, but I, I am not cool with them right now. But instead of responding that way, Embrace these things. Give God glory. Give God thanks for these things. Redemption Chapel is an amazing church, and I am so happy to be here. But we are all sinful still. We all sin. We need to be reminded to give God thanks in all that we say, in all that we do, because we cannot do it alone. So coming up pretty soon is Thanksgiving, and you know, Christmas as well. And for a lot of us, when we think about Thanksgiving Christmas, it can be difficult because we think about, oh, I'm going to be with people that are family or that are like family to me, and all I can think about is that there's going to be fights and arguments, or even I think about our high school students, our high school seniors, and they know that they're going to have to face the question of where are you going to college kind of thing, you know. And it's just going to be tough. And for some of us, that is the reality. (laughs) We do not look forward to it. And our first thing that we think that we should do is fight it, that we should complain, that we should push back extremely hard. But what I'm calling you to do, what I'm asking you to do this week is to take this passage, 1 Corinthians 1, 4 through 9, write it on a post-it note. Um, Screenshot the text, put it as the background of your lock screen. Leave your Bible open to this on your nightstand. There are apps, there are Spotify podcasts that will read the scripture to you. On your way to work, plug in your phone, listen to scripture being read to you. But embrace this and allow this to be a remembrance that we should give God thanks before anything. That complaining and pushing back and being angry causes strife and division. And that's not the call of the church. We're called to correct, but we're called to do that in love. And we cannot forget that. And so what we're going to do is we're going to do one more song. And this last song is one of my favorite songs of all time. What this song is, is it's basically the gospel in a song. And so if you are sitting here, if you're sitting in this room, and right now you are like, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, you had a fight on the car ride in, or you're thinking about whatever happened last night, take this time to stand next to your brothers and sisters And to rejoice in the simplicity of the gospel. To remember God's calling for us. And to never forget what it looks like to be the church unified. I'm going to go ahead and pray for us and then we're going to continue in worship. Dear Lord, I thank you for today and I thank you for your word. Thank you for giving us somebody like Paul that is able to be encouragement to us. To able to love the church well and help us to see what it looks like to build up the body of believers. Lord, help us to be faithful to your calling and help us to give you thanks in everything that we say and we do. And help us to remember the simplicity of your gospel and your son his work on the cross. In the name I pray. Amen.